Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome, welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing and preview next weekend. Catch up on all the uh, off-the-track race news we have going on. Joining me today, I've got Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Guys, how we doing? Good, thank you. Yourself? Wonderful. Let's just say beef and madness. But I'm doing good, though. Beef and madness. Okay, I don't know who's blowing a horn outside, but... Not me. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's funny. It came right at the tail end of your beef and madness. Someone starts blowing the horn. That was my, my neighbor I'd, or whatever anyway. So, but uh, anyway, so we had a... Uh, a lot of racing on the on the calendar this past weekend. IndyCar guys were off, uh, but they were uh, doing some uh, testing here and there. Uh, we had um, Formula One in Austria. We had the SRX down at the uh, Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, the Cup Series and Xfinities were at the uh, Atlanta, the Super Speedway down there. And Mid-Ohio had a NASCAR weekend with ARCA and the trucks. So, uh, well, let's start in Austria. Uh, where we saw Charles Leclerc take the win. So that's Ferrari now two for two, two wins in a row between Leclerc and um, Sainz uh, winning last weekend, breaking up the, you know, the six or seven in a row we've seen out of Red Bull. Uh, although Ferrari still seems to have some real reliability issues, uh, you know, as Carlos Sainz uh, DNF'd in a pretty grand fashion uh, there. So, uh, Richard, let's talk about Austria a little bit. Yes, yeah, so Austria was the uh, the second uh, sprint race of the season, uh, or second race to include sprint qualifying, or however you want to call it. So the revised format of a free practice one, then qualifying on Friday afternoon, followed by free practice two on Saturday morning, sprint race on Saturday, and um, the the main event, as it were, on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, qualifying was, as you'd expect, between the Red Bulls and um, the two Ferraris. Uh, Sergio Perez ended up getting uh, a penalty for exceeding track limits, which became a bit of a theme for the weekend. Um, and uh, moving into the, the the sprint race on on Saturday afternoon, um, you know, pretty non-eventful really up front. Some good battles in the mid pack. Uh, you know, the Hasses and especially the two Hasses and Lewis Hamilton were, were having a good old bad and a battle um, with. Um, Kevin Magnussen coming out on top of that, followed by Hamilton and Mick Schumacher. But, uh, you know, good, really good racing there. Um, you know, and Sergio Perez battling back from uh, his disappointment in, in Friday qualifying. But yeah, out front, Max, you know, pretty com- comfortable win, really. The two Ferraris had a bit of a squabble for a few laps there before Leclerc, um, you know, settled into a pretty comfortable second place with, uh, I believe, Carlos Sainz coming on third. So, the, the the really interesting takeaway from from the race was on the cool down lap, you know, uh, at the end of this little sprint, uh, Charles Leclerc and his race engineer were talking, and, and Charles says, "Oh, you know, yeah, we've you know we, we, we've got we've got them tomorrow. We'll we we, we can beat um, Max tomorrow." And everyone's like, "Really? I mean, Max's performance was pretty dominant. You know, <laughs> it was uh, you, you were struggling to see where." Um, you know, Ferrari could could have the upper hand, but um, you know, coming into the race on uh, on on Saturday on sun, Sunday, sorry, um, you know, Ferrari really did have the the edge on the on the raw pace and the um, tire um, 
games, if you like, and ran a strategy that dominated Red Bull. Um, I think Leclerc ended up having to pass um, Max Verstappen two or three times on track, but it was always, you know, pretty much always on a on a tyre strategy course, and and it was never really a battle by Max to hold uh, hold Leclerc back there, but. Um, you know, really after after some of the dis- disappointments, you know, you're looking Baku and uh, Barcelona and, and Monaco and 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 you know the, the strategy call at Silverstone. You know, it was a good, solid, well executed race from Ferrari, which is really what they need. Um, There's a few dramas in the last ten laps when um, Charles Leclerc was suffering from a stuck throttle there, um, and that that. Uh, Caused a few nervy, nervy moments, but um, Charles did fantastically well to to drag the home the car home under under pressure from Mac. You know, it wasn't like he limped home. I mean, he probably in the last five laps only lost a second over five laps to to Max. Uh, you know, with that issue, so huge huge credit goes to uh, Leclerc for that fantastic drive at the end there, and uh, you know, hopefully that will give him a little little, little bit of confidence going into. Um, you know the double header before the end of the before the summer break, and you think if Leclerc can come out of uh, Paul Ricard and uh, and Hungary with with two wins, then you know that'll set up the championship really nicely over the summer break. Um, you know, which which you know ends at the end of August. So um, now, if if you know to the counter side of that, Max has a good results in France and Hungary, then you know it can swing the other way. But uh, pivotal point here. And it was a really, really much needed win um, for um, Charles Leclerc. And uh, yeah, you know, it does, does give them some confidence. Charles certainly needs to make hay right now. So, oh, yeah. While they're now, reasonably competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's well, let's talk about this sticking throttle issue, okay? Because it's the throttle on a Formula One car is not your conventionally what you think of. It's not you know a, a cable that that's going. Well, is anything a cable s- these days? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know? but, uh, so it's yeah, it's, it's essentially not much more than a micro switch uh, that uh, you know sends a signal. To, yep. to to throttle up yep. or throttle down. So, but there is a spring underneath the pedal yep. that makes so it has a, so it feels like a pedal. So, yep. uh, uh, so now when that's uh, when they say that he's had to continually put his foot under the pedal to pop it back up, does that uh, uh, you know with that thing depressed that actually keeps the throttle open or is just more just more of a nuisance factor because it didn't seem to really hamper his performance on the track. You know, I didn't see him getting like too deep into a corner couldn't get slowed no. down or anything like that like you would traditionally think uh, with a stuck throttle yeah I mean I, I think it helped that certainly he had a pretty comfortable advantage uh, when it first started because you know, I think on the restart he felt it a couple of times and then he said it got better and then it sort of came back um, so what was happening was obviously when he goes full throttle and presses the you know he presses the pedal fully it would go to 100% demand and then when he lifted off the throttle the pedal wouldn't return to 0% demand. It was returning to about 30% demand, which the big issue there is was downshifts. You know, again, that's all computer controlled. So if you select a downshift and you have 30% throttle activation, it won't downshift. The car will say, no, I'm not doing that. You know, you can try, but I'm not doing it. So by sounds of things, he had to put his foot under the pedal and lift it back, which... There's not much room in these cars to do that. And, yeah, he was very lucky he was able to do that. Um, my guess is that something probably got wedged in the spring 
um, and stop the pedal from returning. Because these pedals will have two, it's a little bit more than a micro switch, Frank, but it's not far off. They'll have two sensors which will detect the position and the car will basically look at those two values and if they disagree, say a sensor fails, which happens, then the driver has the option to disable one of the sensors and just rely on the second sensor. But by sounds of things here, both sensors were reading this 30% number. So that would lead you down the road to think that there's something mechanical has wedged in the spring or something similar. Maybe the springs, you know, actually come off. So, you know, it has a natural frequency to return to a set position, but it doesn't have tension in the spring to fully, fully come back because, you know, when you put, when you take your foot off a, you know, a fall on either of the pedals, the brake or the throttle, they, they snap back. They don't just like, they're not like your road car that will go, Oh, there we go. You know, whatever it's bang. It, it's pretty aggressive. Um, so for it to get stuck, it you must have been something pretty fundamental on a mechanical side. So, you know, Ferrari will look at what they, you know, look at what's caused it. Uh, you know, it could well be that it's a design issue that they need to address, or it could just be one of these freak instances where, you know, who knows, who knows, you know, the, the, the life cycles and the duty cycles that these things will go through during their testing in the testing departments. I mean, I've run these tests before with, with pedal assemblies. And, you know, you have an actuator there, which is simulating a driver's foot, pressing down on the throttle and then lifting it off and then pressing it down again. And we actually can run lap simulations. You could say, right, I'm going to do a thousand laps of whichever circuit and see where, you know, make sure that this is repeatable. So I think uh, I'm pretty certain there'll be an external agent which has caused this problem rather than necessarily a design flaw because something like a throttle and brake pedal assembly will have been tested um, extensively. Um, but, you know, a, a great drive, you know, by Charles. Oh, like, yeah, at the, at the end of the day, home. yeah, he, he managed it perfectly, you know, was able to yeah. maintain the lead and, and win the race despite, you know, a little, you know, a little, little bit of tension and anxiety there. Yeah, plus, you know, then we look at what happened with his teammate where they just oh, yeah. all out edge and failure. And, and this is a, once again, come uh, to bring the, the, the role of the marshals at the Formula one races that are largely local volunteers into question. Uh, yeah. Their, their response was, I mean, if, if you watch the clip, right, the, you got one guy who's kind of like, sauntering on down here holding a fire extinguisher and then the guy actually sets the fire extinguisher down and and and, yeah. tur and turns around and i'm like what this does the guy not see that this car is on fire <laughs> yeah you know then when then you know when somebody finally does get to the car they're more worried about um trying to to put a little shimmy or under the wheel to keep it from rolling uh, as the yards of putting out the fire when, you know, here you have this <laughs> yeah. car that's no, worth, it wasn't. yeah, it's uh, it, it just, they looked a bit comical, a bit unprofessional, but, but again, this, this, the, the question raised was like, you know, with all the money Formula one rakes in, why did they not have their own full-time uh, team of marshals that travel with them? And, you know, there's a, a number of reasons why they don't and why it's cost better for them to use local guys but uh, it does you know look very amateurish when we're talking considering this is the highest level of sport oh yeah it wasn't great it wasn't great 
um, you know, it, it was, it was, um, it didn't, you know, it didn't look, it didn't look professional. It looked dangerous. Uh, you know, you could question whether science could have maybe parked it in the gravel, uh, which would have stopped it from rolling back. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't a fantastic, um, display there. And, uh, you know, obviously science wants to get out of the car and, and everything, but you know, there'll be some, um, you know, ramifications from it. And, you know, we're always on the quest to improve safety. And this is something, and this is just another step that will be, be addressed. And, you know, you'll guarantee that something like this won't happen again. You know, these marshals will be better trained and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll move on from there. All right. So uh, looking at the podium, we saw uh, Hamilton uh, once again have a pretty good run to third place there. Um, the uh, the Haas cars again look much improved. It's, it's kind of funny. We've had um, Lewis Hamilton fighting with Haas cars more often than not the last couple of weeks. And when's the last time <laughs> we would have thought that would that would be a thing there. Mick Schumacher and uh, Hamilton having a battle on the track, but we've seen him more often than not lately. So, uh, but, uh, you know, good job to the Haas team and, and Schumacher improving there. Um, so uh, otherwise, uh, what, are, what, are your, what are your other takeaways from Austria? I mean, I mean we, we could talk about the whole thing with the fan behavior. If you'd like it, well, uh, that was a bit of a, was- a bit of a sideshow story there. Yeah. Now, this this is something that I I need to I need to do a little bit more reading into this. Tell you the truth. Um, so, a lot of it I think revolves around Hamilton's Hamilton crashing out of qualifying on Friday afternoon, which was a, you know very unusual, and he was being booed quite extensively by the local fans, who were predominantly Max Verstappen fans. However. There then appears to be this story going around on the on a lot of social media platforms. Now, again, you've got to be very, 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 very careful with what you see on social media. And, and you know, obviously, as I say, I'm just reporting this. I don't have an opinion on this. I don't have any you know any evidence to support this claim. But there's been some claims going around on social media that certain fans were exaggerating some of the behaviour in order to get access to some of the drivers and some of the teams. Now, I don't know what, if any of you guys have heard anything about this or, or seen any of this, but, um, you know, I, it's getting, you know, this is, this is getting into little, you know, sketchy territory now. As I say, I can't confirm it or deny it. I am just reporting what I've read and it's on a social media account, so there's no credibility to it. But if it is true, then... We're we're starting to get into a pretty gray area of here of ethics, really, I think. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I don't know if you guys have heard anything along the similar lines. Um, no, I just pretty much I, I've, I've read a couple of stories where you know, certain drivers are condemning the the fan behavior that they were, uh, uh, you know, racist and homophobic, homophobic things being, you know, fan to fan to other fan and, and whatnot and these sort of things. And I, I believe there was a woman that was uh, that was some assaulted, perhaps. Um, but, uh, you know, either way, it's uh uh, whatever you know wh- whatever it comes down to is it's not a good look for the sport and and certainly if you know if you uh, you know say the baseball's been ejecting people from the from the stands forever you know we need to start doing that the races maybe so yeah it, it, it's yeah and, and, uh, and on a what you know if that is the case that's bad enough if it is the case that people are exaggerating this to try and you know Get, get access to some of the drivers and that's even worse you know in many ways but um, yeah it, it, it you know Formula 1 you know needs to you know it's obviously ran with this you know pretty pretty um, visible We Race as One campaign for the last two or three seasons now which I, I fully support um, and now if this you know so obviously if this is the case and this has really gone down then they do need to step in and and ensure that you know evidence is collected and dealt with in an appropriate way, and, and yeah, where, where appropriate fans are not allowed back into an event like this. You know, uh, we, we live in a world where we're far better than that, and um, you know, we, we need to uh, we, we need to treat people with the respect they deserve. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, we can we can move on from it. Um, but yes. Absolutely, yeah. So, so speaking of moving on, so where where are we off to next? Is it is it? We've got a week off, and then we're to um, Paul Ricard. Paul, Paul in, Ricard, in yes, the the yeah. the circuit that will make you dizzy just looking at it. The hypnosis so, track, yeah. 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 They actually had a good race last year. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah they, I mean, they did. Has, yeah, you know, it's not a bad track. You know, it's just a little bit. You know, you go from Austria where you know you've got you know, sound of music blaring out in the background and, you know, and everything like that and the mountains and one of those picturesque backdrops for a, a circuit in the world to to a, a, a field with tarmac in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but we'll uh, we'll talk more about Paul Ricard next week as we, as we preview that Indeed. race. But let's, uh, there's a developing story in, Indi- in IndyCar that is developing as we speak. I'm continually getting tweets uh right now as we're talking but uh i am as, as yeah as as we know this is what we know so far chip ganassi released a statement uh saying that they have picked up the option on alex palou's uh contract uh for 2023 and the the press release contained a quote from uh from from alex and then Oh, not more than an hour later, um, Alex puts on his Twitter that says it's come to my attention that without my permission, Chip Ganassi has released his press release, including a quote that did not come from me. And I have already informed the team that 
Uh, I do not intend to continue with that team uh, after 2022 um, for personal reasons. Right. So uh, and of course, then that tweet was followed up not much longer by an announcement from McLaren that Alex Palou has signed with McLaren for 2023 as, as a part of their driver lineup. And, and again, McLaren is loading up their driver lineup along uh, amongst their, you know, Formula One, Formula E, IndyCar. Uh, oh. So so they didn't. Sorry, specific- sorry, Frank, just to interrupt very quickly. Sorry, Frank. The thing I've just taken away from this is the announcement from McLaren isn't from Arrow McLaren, okay. their Twitter it's account. It's loose. from McLaren F1 Twitter account. It is McLaren F1. Oh, it's Alex Mc- McLaren. McLaren Racing. Yeah, okay, from- well, it says, yeah, McLaren Racing welcomes IndyCar champion Alex Palou to its driver roster from 2023 as the team continues to build a talent across all of its racing series. Our full driver lineup across all racing series will be confirmed in due course. So it doesn't specifically say he's in the Formula One car. But, no, but-, but it was interesting that they put out that press release before the, the Arrow McLaren group put out that press release if he's going to stay within IndyCar. Very, he's in, you know, I mean, guy, we could be overreading this. We could um, be, yeah. He, he could be going to the Formula E team, but but either way, it looks like he's he'll be in a McLaren of some variety. And McLaren, who also tested Colton Herta over the last couple of days in their the program where they, they test previous cars. Uh, he was driving, uh, was a 2021 uh, car uh, out there in Portugal. Um, put I think he read about 162 laps. I read so so they're they're looking at Herta as well. Uh, but they've got um, you know they've got uh, Padua Ward uh, locked in. They've got Alexander Rossi locked in. They have Felix Rosenkvist locked in, but not necessarily to a uh, seat in a series. We could see Felix in the Formula E, as far as we know. Um, and then now they have Palou again, not linked to a particular series. So Palou could also, you know, he could be in, in Formula E. He could be in, <laughs> he could be in Formula One. Who knows? Uh, you know, the hot rumor is that Ricardo's on the hot seat. I don't see Lando Norris going anywhere. But uh, yeah, it's, this, this is all. Thing. This is all highly interesting. The thing that really makes you wonder is what prompted Ganassi to put out the phony press release to begin with. And that's the biggest gripe I have all of it. And on top of the fact, it's been an absolute nightmare for public relations. Being a guy that writes and shoots photos that maybe would like to dabble into that field one day, what you 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 just you you, you can't you you just look bad, period. And at the end of the day, you just look bad. And, and, I, and I hate saying that at the end of the day, because we're all human. But when you have a driver publicly opening up and pretty much burying you on Twitter that this is not true, that just does not less a sore eye for the t- team that he won a championship and the people that will handle all that media stuff. It's just uh, it's just you can't just have that. <laughs> Period. You know, to, to, to sort of uh, you know link this into something we're going to talk about later in the uh, later in the show, I'm sure. You know, you can just see the uh, Richard Childress Racing PR team thinking, "God, we had a disastrous day today," and this is Ganassi Group saying, "Oh my bear, we've got you on that one." Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, this, yeah, so. it, it's just it's just it, it, the it, before I dive in how where I think this per, this domino effect will lead to. It reminds me of the one scene in Liquor Speaks where Alana got so mad at his dad 
or because he didn't buy, he didn't, he didn't like the boyfriend's viewpoints on and so on and so forth. It's like, and then slammed the door and got confronted. That's kind of how I, that's the vibe that I guess like, and I imagine whether it's Richard Childers or Chip Ganassi, they're feeling frustrated and, and, and angst. as like, why would you do that? But going now to the future, we looked into a Formula E. That's that's for the up next season, not the current one we're dealing with, because McLaren are entering two Formula E entries, naturally, because it is part of the Formula World Championship. Danny Danny Ricardo and Felix Rosiquiz, and you have them, you have Pato, now Polo, and Colton Herta. You have a slew of drivers that are and, and Rossi. Oh yeah, and Rossi too. But you have a slew a, a plethora of drivers that you sign up but there's no guarantees where they're going. And imagine Rossi is sticking with IndyCar, but time will tell. But who knows how people from McLaren's thought of her this run, and it, we'll see how Pato and Polo, which is apparently what I understood, they're going to test the Formula One McLaren. So they're at this moment, it's up for grass who's going to be in that second McLaren F1 seat. And then from there, who's going to then they'll probably figure out who's going to go to Formula E and then those who are going to stick around to IndyCar or be moved to IndyCar. Because- right. Now, Pato has already had one test in the Formula mm-hmm. One car. Um, so he's uh, he's well within the frame for perhaps moving to the Formula One uh, team. So, yeah, again, this is I, I think that we if it weren't for Chip Ganassi um, putting out this bit of false information we wouldn't hear the have heard this mclaren news for a couple of months but i think they forced that and again i just i don't understand why because it's not it's not like it's a, a marshall pruitt or a jenna fryer speaking out of their ass and putting something out there that they say oh no your reporter is right. uninformed it's a team release yeah you know yeah, which is, is just really it's well. a, really a bad look for the team so but it it opens up a pretty prime seat. It can ask you though, if you if you start to look at uh, look at that and who's available uh, who's available if, there. All I'm gonna say much is if I were Ed Carpenter, you got to start defending your one of your drivers to not fall in that set pit line with your other former driver you had back in the day and Joseph Newgarden. But time will tell, because that's like the hot speculation. Like if there's somebody that probably could fit in that ten, some people are so. Media are saying rocket Renus VK. Certainly, yeah, that would be a good move for him. Yeah, he's he's proven his worth. Uh, you know, he's he's won a race in the uh, in the Carpenter car, and and you know we know Carpenter is a pretty good solid team, but they are a bit of a you know a stepping stone to the the larger teams, right? You know, so they're 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 on par with uh, you know Ray Hall or or whatnot, where they they occasionally win races and whatnot, but they're really haven't contended for championships at all. So uh, yeah, to for um, VK to 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 make the jump to Ganassi would uh, make a lot of sense. But there's there's always been speculation that Roger Penske has been very interested in, in Renus VK for quite some time as well. Yeah, and the question will and the question will be. How, who's going to make the move? Will Penske reopen a fourth car once more? Or what about Will Power? How much longer he wants to do this? Remember, Power's in a championship fight this year with uh, with a couple Ganassi drivers by the name of Marcus Erickson and, and right now. So we'll see. It'd be curious to see where, the, where Penske goes about it. But I, that think, ten car, I, I think Will is signed through 2023, if I'm not mistaken. 
so he, 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 signed, he signed a multi-year deal a couple of years ago. And I think he's, he's, he's under contract through next year. So, but, but it makes you wonder about the, you know, cause they, they've certainly, they, they have the, the funds and the facilities to, you know, put a, put a fourth car on, on the grid there. Now, mind you, they are uh, involved in that Porsche program in sports cars, uh, which is taking some of the resources, which is, you know, their main reason for downsizing the three in the first place. But, um, you know, they, they added the fourth car to make room for Simon at one time because they wanted him on the team badly. Yeah, it's just, it's just an unknown mystery because that the whole thing with right now going on with the Polo McLaren thing, it's just knocked a bunch of dominoes that it'll probably impact about between three to five teams. And, he, and that's my my assessment. But because otherwise, if it wasn't for that, the big IndyCar news out there would have been the 11 Foyt car not entering Toronto. Yep. Yep. That's been a developing story for a while. There was some speculation that the, uh, the, the that car had had its run because of late sponsor payments from uh, Rocket. Uh, again, this then Williams had the same issues uh, with this sponsor. Uh, with with the late payment or lack of payments, and uh, uh, at the time the Foyt team did their best to kind of quell the rumors. It's no, no, we're we're fine. We'll be on the grid. Of course, it was quite noticeable that the the rocket was not on Kirkwood's car um, when they ran at um, it was Mid Ohio, uh, and but now their Ta- Tatiana's car is just uh, not traveling to Toronto at all. So um, we'll see if that. Uh, was going to just put an end to that season there. Yeah, and also um, J.R. Hildebrand coming up with the Iowa doubleheader. Yeah, it remains to be seen if, um, you know, Hildebrand's got a couple of sponsors in his pocket here and there that, that, that may help him out. Uh, you know, he's worked with a preferred freezer in the past, um, yeah. you know, and I could, I could almost see hy reaching out a little bit to get that other car on the grid. Um, you know, they've, uh, they're, they're, they're all in at this point. I, I could almost see them loaning a little assistance there, uh, despite the fact that they, you know, they sponsored the Ray hall team. So, but, um, yeah. And who did, and, and Hildebrand had, um, who did he have an Indy? It wasn't American League Legion, but it was some. What's in the USA? US, no. Yeah, yeah. ABC Supply was also somewhat involved. It did have ABC Supply and then some sort of uh, some sort of a, a military thing. I can't I can't remember remember exactly what it was, but he did not have the rocket sponsorship at Indy. But it, although he did have that at Texas, he had the rocket car. So it it, may, it all remains to be seen. And I don't know if uh, Tatiana has any other irons in the fire. And as far as getting uh, uh, getting funding to the team other than the rocket deal that she had. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be a shame to lose a car off the grid. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you know, you know, the bright news that looking forward to next year and beyond, it looks like the, the grid size will increase uh, with uh uh, you know, um, Yukos is looking to add a second car. Um, McLaren is definitely adding the third car. Um, and uh, I want to say you're going to have uh, the Beth Peretta team do a more, uh, a larger schedule, probably still a partial, but a larger schedule than what they're doing this year. Yeah, it, 
it's it, at the end at the end of the day, it is unfortunate because we primarily consistently had twenty six full time entries. Now is down to twenty five, and those are the twenty five that have been running all year at Toronto. Because we're talking about increased car counts, so obviously we're still going to be probably discussing about it in the foreseeable future. But it's never a good thing when a team is backs against the wall and had to withdraw, essentially withdraw from running a race, considering they've done it. They competed all year. You don't want to see that in general. So it is unfortunate for the Ford camp, but we'll see how things go for the rest of the year. Of course, we know Kirkwood will do his best, and of course, he's going to go to Andretti. But as far as after 2022, that is the big question for that organization. Yeah, they'll have to see. Uh, I mean, yeah, because Kirkwood's leaving, uh, you know, um, Tatiana's. Uh, they'll probably still have. Um, oh, what's his name? K-Line. Um, Dog Kellett. So <laughs> why is his name escaping? Dog Kellett. Uh, his sponsorship is security because that's his. Uh, his that's his family's company. So I think as long as he he wants that ride, I think he's pretty safe there. He's actually improved quite a bit this year. I mean, he's still running towards the back of the grid, but he's not making some of the silly mistakes. Um, that uh that, that he did uh, you know his first couple of seasons you know he's leaving yeah. the, leaving the mistakes to guys like uh Grosjean and De Francesco now so yeah he's got a, <laughs> he's got a lot better and i think what also helps him in long term over time he's a great ambassador and has kind of like the wherewithal inside knowledge of being an engineer that does come along where, where wherever he whatever his future leads him to in the sport Right, yeah, but that uh, the second Ford card, you know, I would say, you know, whoever wins the Indy Lights Championship and can bring that scholarship money is who Ford's going to be looking at first. Which is uh, right now, Linus Lundquist and Stingray Rob, they're top two in the Indy Lights trail. And both those both those guys are very capable drivers, too. And, and a guy with a name like Stingray Rob, man, I mean, how marketable is that? I mean, that's like, you know, that's like a Buckshot Jones or, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, so... Oh, for sure, and the, and and when he makes it, should he make it the Indy car? The one thing that's instantly could be on my mind is I'll never forget where I saw seeing Ray Rob first race, Meridian twenty eighteen, Arca West, which is what he because he he's in from Idaho, so he drove the race that Haley Deegan won her first NASCAR race. Interesting is, to know. Interesting to know. Yeah. yeah. So, and then of course, uh, Linus Lundqvist. That kid's really good too. Um. So anyway, so we're Formula or IndyCar. We're off of Toronto, where yep. we we haven't been there in a couple of years. Uh, half the field. Um, has never raced there. I think there are 13, 13 of the 25 drivers have never raced at Toronto. So um, who do you like for Toronto? We're talking a tight street course, you know. There are a lot of guys who really perform well in that type of situation. Well, I can certainly recommend spending two nights sleeping on Toronto airport floor, which I had pleasure of doing a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but outside of that... Um, Will Power could be in with a shot, I think. I'm sure, thinking. yeah. Will Power would be. That's a good pick, yeah. Yeah, the three-time winner for it. I think, for me, I'm going to stay with the Penske's. I think they're going to be tough to beat on the street course. And it makes you wonder now with this announcement, how will this impact the rest of the rest of his tour? 
Yeah, he can't be happy with the team right now, and that's certainly uh, I, I, we know he's a professional. Uh, and um, I just I still wonder what all the behind the scenes, you know, for personal reasons, I've already informed the team that that I'm leaving, and it could be that you know just because Personally, I've been offered a lot more money. By yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> McLaren has a lot of money in the bank, so that could be the personal reason there. But he he's got to be just kind of livid right now uh, with the way that they made that false announcement. So, but and as far as my pick for the race win, I say that this is one of those weekends where. Uh, Colton Herta comes strong out of the box and uh, dominates the race, doesn't make a mistake and goes ahead and wins this one uh, because it's uh, it's been a minute since he's had a race like that. But he has one, you know, every <laughs> in, in regular intervals, not not regular at Indy, despite all the drama. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the in the rain, no less. So but yeah, I think I like Colton Herta for this one. And I think that um, the, that whole Andretti team after the events of the last race and whatnot needs uh, something very positive to try to uh, build the team around and lift their spirits. So, uh, uh, and I think Colton's going to come in on a, just a very, um, Oh, what's the way he's going to come in on a big high from uh, having tested a Formula One car early in the week. So uh, I think uh, it's going to be a good weekend for Colton Herta. So that being said, uh I haven't made my pick yet. I said Penske. I didn't say who. <laughs> oh, I'm, going, I, I'm sorry. I'm going with New Garden on this one since Richard went with power. <laughs> all right. New Garden's a good pick anywhere. I mean, that, that kid is uh, good on all courses. So, and he's, uh, he's in championship mode right now. He really is. Um, and speaking of New Garden, my gosh, that, that guy won a heat race his first time out in SRX at the Nashville Fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. So and um and I it, made a man it went downhill unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Fun. Yeah, but um I, again, I, it just surprises me how well some of these IndyCar guys do in SRX. So and I I just figure there's got to be something about that car that that feels similar to an IndyCar, you know, and it could be that uh, IndyCar without the power steering and whatnot and you know these SRX cars are rather rather rudimentary, uh, but there's something about it that favors. If you look at how well Elio's done and uh, Marco has been great in these things, um, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, not so much. Ryan Hunter Ray, not so much, but even, you know, Paul Tracy's dabbled near the front. Uh, for a guy who's been out of IndyCars for a number of years. And uh, so, uh, but but at the end of the day, at, at, there at the fairgrounds, it was Bobby Labonte proving who, is- he, he, who, who looked just as smooth as ever. He looked as smooth as he did when he was, when he was winning championships in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Late, it looked late, like, late 90s. Yeah. So it looked like he was running at Atlanta, Michigan, the way he was, the way he carried himself out there. Yeah. And, in, and in theory, let's not forget that Bobby Labonte is is somewhat involved with IndyCar through like what was it? He was involved with Aero Re- Electronics or something like that. Am I wrong? I so know Bobby Labonte occasionally is around the IndyCar paddock for something. I can't remember what it is. I don't know. Um, I must have missed that memo. But uh, but yeah, another. You know, it's. It's just a fun little series to watch. Um, you know, if you can get beyond uh, some of the silly segments they do in between the races there with CBS. And I don't, for the life of me, I do not know why we have John Oates 
of hauling oats interviewing race car drivers. But um, well, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever it takes to to get the fans in there. So but but evidently John Oates is a is a big car culture guy. So uh, good for him. You know, the he's uh, certainly not touring with Daryl Hall at the moment. So he's got some time on his hands. So, but yeah, it, it was fun to watch Bobby Labonte, uh, good deal there. Elio, Elio banged up his car some and driving with a banged up car. Um, Marco again, right there in the Marco seemed to be right there in the mix of all these races. So, and he's, uh, you know, here for a guy who's, uh, really had, a some tough years in IndyCar and some, some heavy scrutiny. I, he just looks like he just having uh, fun. You know what I mean? He looked like he's just absolutely enjoying himself. So yeah, I like to see that it, wherever he, where I like to see him try Xfinity. I know that's kind of what he's eyeing for to do some Xfinity races, which I'd like to see. I mean, we have Andretti in a stock car, which we haven't seen since John. It's, it's always it's, it's always neat seeing an Andretti drive a stock car. Yeah, absolutely. And John Andretti, man, he was a NASCAR for, for quite some time. Yeah, he was a regular on the series. I, I think he's got uh, two race wins. I remember being at a Martinsville race that he won, and I was just uh, thrilled to death there to see John win that race that he was in the petty car at the time. So, yeah, so uh, let's move on to uh, NASCAR. And, of course, the news today, uh, Tyler Reddick, who was a very recent race winner here in the series, is actually – uh, they made the announcement that he will be moving to 2311 Racing in 2024. So he will be a member of the Toyota camp uh, after this year. Um, and, of course, Richard Childress puts out a statement that says, you know, we've we've really enjoyed working with Tyler Reddick, but the timing of this announcement couldn't be any worse. So, yeah, uh, as I said earlier about yeah. the one about the liquor speaks, the scene about the door slam and the confrontation bit, that's uh, it's just it's just the way it was worded. It's just like, geez, what it, it's like. Every it is, it is crushing for RCR when you really think about it. Because before Tyler Reddick came to the scene in the Xfinity series in 2019, let's not forget at the end of 2018, RCR were, yeah, they had the Daytona 500 win with Austin Dillon, just depending how you see it, whether it was earned or reckless, depending who which side is which side you're on. But RCR were in a cup level. They were not winning. They were not like consistently competitive from time to time. And Tyler Reddick, albeit he won the Xfinity title with JRM, he was nowhere near the top JRM driver. He was not at all. He only won the two races at the beginning of the year and when it mattered most in the championship, which in this day and age, yeah, that's kind of how that's what the system is catered for. But when he went to RCR, he was able to. Sh- shine on his own. He was able to make that team, that eight-car team, if I recall, after winning the 2019 Xfinity title, they all moved up with Redick to the cup level. The whole, the crew and everybody. They they start off a little bit slow, but uh, and then uh, 2020, then 21, and then now this year, they've been freaked. Yeah, frequently competitive. Sure, they've had a skid for a little bit before winning at Road America, but compared to where RCR were in, in now to where they are, where they were in 2018, it's a nine, almost night and day difference. They've gotten better. So when the guy you kind of picked up, gave him an opportunity, flourished, 
and build like a strong dynamic and then for the announcement to happen like that and we're not even in 2024 yet and it's looking like Kurt Busch when he announced he was going to go to Penske initially for 2007 or even Jamie McMurray to Roush in 2007 initially supposed to take over the sixth car that was Mark Martin's before the whole Phoenix disaster happened and then it kind of led to Kurt and Jamie moving up to the rides a year early. Yeah, and we then, don't. Yeah, we, we've seen more and more of these. Like, wasn't there a, a situation with uh, Kansas? They, 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 or, well, with Kansas, where they announced his replacement a full year and a half before he was to. I'm not. To I leave. can't. Re- it might have happened, but I'm not. I don't remember that one as much compared to the Casey Kane one, where they announced he was going to go to Hendrick in 2012, in the year 2010. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and then he did that one, the one-off tour with Red Bull, which ultimately was their swan song, Red Bull swan song, and and the cup level, but or NASCAR in general. But it's just it is crushing. I can't understand the morale just imploding because they've just won. The, the race at Road America two week going two and a half weeks ago, and then the guy that got you a win that has been doing quite well for for himself and the organization to leave like that in in twenty twenty by twenty twenty four is he's going to twenty three eleven. It's got to be gut punching, and it makes you wonder who they're going to go for the eight car in the foreseeable future. Some people will think it's going to be Gregson. Some look at Austin Hill. Who's won a couple of races? He won this weekend at Atlanta. He's been really good compared to Sheldon Crude, who can't even buy luck at this point in, in the Xfinity Tour. So yeah, well, they, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens here. Yeah, there's also, uh, and again, there's some there's some speculation that they may try to get Reddick released early and have him in that 2311 car next year, but that's just idle speculation. Uh, nothing solid on there. You know, as far as we know, the contract begins in 2024 um, and, and whether he's, uh, and they say they want to continue with Kurt Busch. Obviously I believe Bubba's seat is safe. So we're talking about a third car uh, there at the moment is what we're looking at. Uh, but the funny thing is Reddick with the race win and locked into the, the chase, he's decent to say he's, he, you know, with the nature of the playoffs, the dude has a shot at winning the cup championship. <laughs> he really does. And that would be just kind of uh, really interesting. Should he, you know, win, win the championship on a team that he's leaving. Yeah. But the question remains, will they lame duck him to death? A la Brian Vickers when he was going to leave Hendrick to Red Bull. That's the big question for the, for them. Yeah. They're going to go for a championship later in the year. But will they go that route? Because unlike the whole thing with Polo and Ganassi, where the drivers are upset, it's the team that are uh, that are irate with the announcement. And you know something: when the team is irate with a driver, they will they will fight you. Yeah, As- but, but the thing is, on on the, at the same point in time, the team has to show results to attract sponsors. So you don't really want to shoot yourself in the foot too badly uh, to make a point to, to a guy that you're unhappy that's leaving. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, they, they still need to uh, think about their own future 2024 20, and beyond and having sponsorship for a car. So and then in order to do that, they need results. And and Reddick is the guy to get them those results. So. 
it's really it's really a double-edged sword uh, if they wanted to kind of lame duck him you know so that's that's just that's just my two cents as uh you know as as a as a business owner and businessman that's i would be still putting putting forth my best effort yeah that's for that, that that's how it should be but that's just sometimes how certain entities are not so we'll see what side of what side will be kind what side of rcr we're going to see in the next couple months or, or year and a half absolutely so let's talk about the race uh which was in atlanta at the atlanta super speedway now um and it was chase elliott taking the win um which is the first time a driver from georgia has won at atlanta since bill elliott back quite some time ago um so uh people in 1992 it was 92 was the last time yeah so people are uh understandably excited in georgia they had uh they had live cameras there in the dawsonville pool room which is uh in a chase and bill's hometown there uh folks there watching and enjoying the race and cheering on chase elliott then they've, they've got a large siren <laughs> there that they they crank the siren when uh when uh and when an Elliot wins the race and they haven't been able to fire that thing up in a while. So, uh, so good for them. Great for the locals. Good for chase. Uh, you know, he's, uh, um, solidly in contention for the title, looking as good as ever. He's, uh, uh, yeah. And again, this is, you know, this is a guy that we always say is road course. Ace here. He is taking a pretty convincing win on an, on an oval holding off a surprisingly good Corey LaJoy. Yeah. Before we, uh, before I dive into Corey's, the run of his career if for chase first three time winner of the year we've only had we have a slew of winners 13 of them but we only had a couple two-time winners which were chastain elliott and byron and hamlin and now we have elliott as the sole standard bearer for three wins so this is huge for him for not just to get rack up playoff points but also his aspirations to get the 15 boat playoff points that comes with the regular season title, which does Ryan Blaney no favors should he not win, where he has to, in case there's more than the, the in case we reach that limit, he has to win. But to LaJoy, better run. He obviously came into Atlanta with the mindset that he wants to win after finishing fifth in back in the spring. His, best, his first top five of his career. But the way as some of the front contenders were taking themselves out or got collected in multiple wrecks, LaJoy was solid and he led a good amount of laps the most he's ever led in a single race period and it looked like coming to the wife why he was going to put himself in private position to get that first winch which by the way the seven car had not won since Watkins Glen in 1996 with Jeff Bodine so there was had he had pull had he won that drive would have been over and then with the seven the with Spire Motorsports being in the shop that used to be held with Alec Kowicki and did it and he would have done it at Atlanta imagine all the storylines that now come with it unfortunately yeah, uh, Atlanta of course being the site of the epic I still think to this day that the, the the greatest NASCAR finale of all time the, the end of the 92 season where it was a Bill Elliott and uh, Alan Kowicki fighting for the title there. And I, I think, I want to say you had uh, two other guys actually mathematically able to win as well, being, I believe, Davey Allison and perhaps Mark Martin. There were four and, of them. Which yeah. were Davey, yeah. yeah. And, and Elliott, Kowicki, Allison, Davey. and Mark Martin, right? Yeah, and 
further back, but mathematically still in the hub were Kyle Petty and Harry Ganth, which they needed a lot of help along with Mark Martin. Right, right. But that was uh, still that's one of the a lot of people still point to that as that's perhaps the greatest you know, NASCAR finale uh, race there. It would just yeah, it's had all the excitement and, and whatnot. And yeah, to your point, um, winning in the car that that is the modern day iteration of w- which once was the Kowicki team would have been pretty phenomenal. For for sure. And time will tell. Well, first of first of all, We'll see how at Daytona because that might be his last great chance. So he might be looking at Daytona as probably a shy where he he can do it, but he will have to get into the top thirty. Because had he won at Atlanta, I believe he'll the next challenge to get himself into the top thirty in points, which he struggled to stay in that round. We've seen a couple times where drivers outside the top thirty have won a cup race. Yeah, but, what's uh, Justin Haley, right? Yeah, but he was not gaining cup points. Right, seen, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we saw, but that's for the team, the 77 team where they had they struggled to get into the top 30. I think they were deep in a hole that they were not going to get in in the owner points side of things. But we saw Chris Busher, Kyle Busch, and Tony Stewart win their races in 50, over a half a decade ago in, the, in, that, in a similar fashion where they won despite being outside the top 30. Albeit Bush and Tony were injury-related. That's why they were in the hole. And with Busher, they've just had that rough rookie year. But when they won, they got better and they had that strong run in Bristol to put themselves into the top 30 and ultimately get them in the playoffs. But you cannot deny LaJoy's afternoon period. He gave it his all. And whether or not the block was dirty or justified, here's the thing. It's the last lap. Elliot was defending his position. Yeah, it came at the expense of LaJoy, who lost control and... Kurt Busch, innocent bystander, once again on a super speedway accident, got wadded up in the whole ordeal. But people know, people saw what he was able to do, and I think when it comes to Daytona, keep an eye on him. Albeit it is a different style of super speedway racing, but it's still. Yeah, and I just, I mean, good for him. Corey's been in this for a while. You know, and, and he really just kind of just been mired midfield or backfield for, for years. And to see him up near the front leading laps uh, for him, uh, you know, that, that had to be very feel very good, even though he uh, at the end of the day, he didn't get the uh, didn't get the W. But uh, he certainly raised his stock a bit, uh, especially when you consider there's an open seat or two, <laughs> you know, on, on larger teams coming up but uh, i think he's probably pretty happy where he's at but uh i just whatever i think of Corey the joy i i you know i remember his dad randy the joy who was a beast in the truck series and there's always this one little incident that, that i always remember whenever i hear the name of the joy right and it was uh, when i was living in virginia and i was uh just had popped on the local news to to catch uh you know the sports broadcast and the you know their local news are the sports broadcaster he was an ex-football player right so he really you know but they, they i think they were racing in martinsville uh the trucks were or whatnot and um so this guy had you know the run down from the uh, from the martinsville race uh but but again like I say he's a football player so he's out of his element and he and he, he casually mentioned that uh, uh, the winner of the, the truck race was Randy Lajui. 
<laughs> I was think I was gonna say, well, did they mispronounce his last name? And yep, I kind of stir correctly. Yeah, yeah, Randy Lajewi. Yeah, which I, it's kind of spelled that way, but yeah, you gotta. Uh, and, and, and you know, you see that 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 kind of thing a lot when somebody is just giving a list of names, and certainly, certainly. During the, I remember seeing it was uh, my old friend John Oryovitz, right? He had um, show, showed me this sheet that they had given to media members um, and it listed all the car drivers. And we had a lot of, you know, a lot of international drivers at that time. And it was a sheet that that had the correct spelling and then the um, pronunciation of each driver's name that they handed out to members of the media so that they could kind of get that down. I thought that was kind of interesting. So, but uh, nobody told this poor guy how to say Randy LaJoy. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I so, think, so I think that will help for IndyCar drive for the IndyCar side of things or even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, you ever, do you ever know if you watch the SRX races? Mm -hmm. The Elio Castroneves, they keep calling him Helio. Yep. Yes. Yeah, but I remember the Elio did it like an segment for ABC and one of the Indy Vibrants. It might have been 06 where he made it clear as Elio, nah, hello, Julio or Helio is Elio. I know. Yeah, but they like Willie T. Ribs interview him. And he says, I'm here with Helio Castroneves. I'm like, you know, you know, Willie, as much as you're around IndyCar, you should probably know how to pronounce this man's name. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> but 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 I digress because uh, we probably need to talk very briefly about the trucks and Arca at uh, Mid Ohio and then make our picks for I, I believe it's New Hampshire. We're off to next. Yep, we're at Loudon. As far as truck series, Parker Kligerman was able to fend off. Zane Smith. I was almost going to say a friend's name who asked the last name is Smith, so I had to pause. But it, Parker Kligerman was able to get his first truck series win since Talladega for the same team that he won at Dega for Henderson Motorsports. They run a partial schedule. It was actually Kligerman that he, uh, I almost said it again. Zane Smith. Zane, it was it was Parker Kligerman that in, in, the, in the eyes of Zane Smith helped him win at Daytona. So when they battled, Zane did, felt hesitant of doing something where he would move Kligerman out of the way. He didn't want to do that. So they fought hard. And at the end of the day, Parker was the better man and got his first truck series win in a long while. Third career win in the series. So he and Kligerman has been knocking on the door to getting a, a win no matter what circuit they were running. Still happened this time around to be on the road course. So it's a huge win for that whole organization that only has one full time employee. And as for Arca, Arca, Taylor Gray was actually the winner because, it, it, despite of John Hunter Nemechek being in that race and Corey Heim and all those others, it was it was an interesting Arca race from what I understood. But at the end of the day, it was Taylor Gray and that Mustang that was victorious. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to see it either. So, but good for Taylor Gray. All right, so we're off to New Hampshire. Um, who do you like for New Hampshire? This one kind of I, a very a, flat, very flat oval. Uh, that one I went with. I'm going to go with a bold choice and and spot. And I say this in generous because when you look at his results lately, they've been really good. And I'm I'm looking at Kevin Harvick. It's a bold choice for the fact that he's just been not there this season, but I think it'll change this Sunday. 
Yeah, I mean, Harvick, uh, I don't want to go with another, a, a guy who hasn't won this year yet either. Um, and I don't know how bold you want to consider it, but I, I'm saying that uh, Martin Truex puts one in the in the W column and locks him to spot in the playoffs there. So, because uh, I, I really feel like that we got enough guys out there that can win that haven't won yet that we're going to we're going to fill up all 16 of those spots before we get to the before we get to the playoffs. So. But we are out of time. So, uh, Richard, thank you very much. Uh, you have any last words for us? Not this week. Not no, this week. What, okay. Uh, let's see what the weekend brings and, uh, yeah, have some good racing out there. All right. Fantastic. So, uh, Louise, any final thought from you? If you need, if you need somebody that you can depend on in terms of being a man of a war, a man of a word. When it comes to announcements, let me come my way and we can discuss. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I sum up this episode based on my vitriol earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You figured there might be some uh, <laughs> press release uh, <laughs> writers that are out of work. So might be a spot for you. <laughs> All right. So I want to thank, uh, thank you guys, man. I want to thank, uh, Mark Dill, legend of first super speedway, Dan Blay, Dan Blay racing art. I want to thank Spreaker, YouTube, the Hoobazoo radio network, uh, Google podcasts and, uh, iHeartRadio. I want to thank you folks who listen to us week in and week out, but until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 